Jesus asked a question in his Sermon on the Mount about how we live with other people. If you will, join me in Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 and 47. Jesus says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? The question, what more are you doing than others? Jesus is saying in, a, in matters of being his disciples, how are you different from anyone else? And he rattles off there, and in Luke chapter 6, he rattles off a lot of people who take care of themselves. If you turn over to Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 34, he's going to say in that text, he says, sinners take care of themselves. Specifically, he says, they love those who love them. They do good to those who do good to them. They lend to others expecting to be paid back. He said, that's what sinners do with each other. He says, what more are you doing than, the, than them? How are you different from them? In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 46, in the text that we started with, he says, there are tax collectors. Tax collectors, he says, love those who love them. He said, how are you any different than them? In Gen the Gentiles in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 47 there. He says, they greet only those who are of their own kind or only of their own family. He says, how are you any different than them being my disciple? In Luke chapter 18, verse 11, the Pharisees, they said they were exclusive, met with their own little group. They don't cheat. They're fair to others. They honor marriage and family. They fast twice a week and they give 10% to God. He said, the question still is, how are you any different from anyone else? How are you different than they are? It's a wake-up call of sorts. If we love one another, and that's very biblical, how is that different from the world? How is that different from everyone else around us? Meaning, how does it include uh, our geographical enemies, our community issues, our religious opponents? How are we different than the people who do the things that take care of themselves. When we do good, how is that different? Meaning beyond our families, beyond our congregation, beyond our school districts, or beyond our county. How is it that we do good in a way that's different? When we support something financially, how is that different? Meaning what standard of success do we attach to the dollar that we spend? If we are religious people in our character, how is that different from others? And this is where it really comes down for me because I have a lot of people who tell me this. It says, well, I follow the Ten Commandments. And you want to know something? The Ten Commandments are a pretty low threshold of righteousness. I mean, they're important, don't get me wrong. And they're a foundation block in who we are to be. But they're a pretty low threshold of righteousness when Jesus calls us to take up a cross in order to follow him. What bothers me is that sometimes we don't even rise to the level of the people that Jesus says are not his disciples. They take care of themselves. They love the people who love them, do good to those who do them good, love those who greet and greet those who are their own kind and family. And sometimes we don't even do that. Sometimes we're guilty of being a civil believer, doing just enough to check the boxes in our faith. And sometimes... We are guilty of being religiously right and spiritually dormant, going through the motions as it is convenient for us 
and excusing our bad habits as an unfortunate but covered by grace, which is laughable in its pharisaical way. And sometimes we aren't either. We can't show up to worship. We won't spend our money to support the gospel. We couldn't be bothered to try and save a soul from hell. And we grumble. We complain about the people who knock on our doors for their religious beliefs when we won't even do that. When we won't organize to help a need, but other people get together and they'll collect canned goods or they'll do a good thing and we complain about them and we won't even do that. Or they worship in error and we won't even engage them in a conversation that might correct their understanding. But we'll complain about what they do and how they do it and where they do it. I am convicted that we need to be followers of Christ who love Him with a love that distinguishes us from anyone else in the world. That we think, that we seek, that we coordinate. That we invade the darkness of this broken, misguided world with a faith, hope, and love that transforms every life with which we have the privilege to come into contact. As one father said, you treat other men with courtesy and decency and respect. Even if they don't treat you that way. Not because they are Christians, but because you are. It's time we raise the level of expectation of our Christianity. How are you different from anyone else? Today I want to challenge us. Be the difference. To make the difference. To insist that the difference be made as His light to the world. Let's start with that first one. Be the difference. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We're familiar with Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Up from the grave of condemnation where our sins are buried and covered by the sacrificial blood of our Savior, we arise to a new life. And what sort of people are, ought we to be, in 2 Peter 3 and verse 11, in lives of holiness and godliness? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30, it says, You are in Christ Jesus, who became for us the wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Follow me with this. We are different from anyone else. First because we are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in Christ. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. No one outside of Christ can have these promises. Can have his presence. Can have this noble calling. The spiritual blessings we have can only be found in Christ. Secondly, we are different from anyone else because in Christ we are holy. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We are to act as God would every day that we live. We are different from anyone else because in Christ we are godly. Titus 2 verses 11 through 13 tells us, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, 
waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. A godly life, we read there, adores the grace of God. It just says no to the evil around us by how it says yes, acting with dignity, honor, respect, kindness, and anticipating the coming of Jesus. We are different from anyone else because in Christ we are righteous. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 6-8. through By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, and yet we are true. No matter how we are treated, we act as Christ being His righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 says, You are the righteousness of God. Everybody should see how God wants it done. By how true our life is to that of Jesus Christ. Now, you know now to be the difference. You are a new creation. But now we need to make the difference. It's one thing to have a loaf of bread on the counter. Doesn't do you any good unless you get it out of the wrapper. So we need to take that loaf of bread and we need to open it up. Matthew 13 and verse 33 says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Our presence, we're going to define that today as our godliness, holiness, and righteousness, lifts up and changes the place where we live into, how, into what God intended to, for it to be from the beginning of time. Just as example, join me in Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to take a key phrase out of each of those paragraphs where Jesus says, You have heard it was said, but I say unto you. And just watch what happens when we raise the bar, when we are different from anyone else around us. You have heard that it was said. That's, the, that's what everybody else does. They call themselves religious. They may call themselves a sinner, a Pharisee, a tax collector. Whatever it is, that's the minimum. And that's what they do. He says, But I say to you, and then he raises the bar. And I think we need to raise the bar. Because we are those disciples that he addressed in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. Look at chapter 5 and verse 24. He says, you be reconciled to your brother. In the context there, he's talking about how we deal with anger. How we deal with harsh words. How we deal when family collisions of will happen. When we worship with our brethren. And it doesn't go along with what we think should happen. Be the bigger person. Be the leaven. Rise to his level. Make the difference. Show how it's not just going to disintegrate into I said, you said, he said, she said. And become something that represents the glory of God. Look at chapter 5 and verse 29. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. In the context of that paragraph, on either side of that, it's how, it's how we respect our sexuality. It's how we refuse the pornography that is so prevalent in our world today. It's how we stop ogling other people in a sexual way. It's how we maintain the holiness of marriage. And it's how we start regarding each person as a creation of God in all of their true beauty. 
Rise up, Jesus is saying, and show the world a maturity that they don't have. Chapter 5 and verse 37. Let what you say be simply yes or no. In the context of what Jesus is saying in that paragraph, it's the weight of our word as the promise we keep. It's the reputation that we have for our honesty. The integrity that we bring to any situation. Rise up, Jesus says, and be consistent. So much so that people can set their clock by your behavior. Chapter 5 and verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. In the context there, Jesus is talking to us. It's how we turn the other cheek. It's how we show how to be a good loser. And I struggled with that one because I've always wondered, what does he mean by that? And when you look at it, he says, and if they take your cloak, give to them your, your, your he says, give them your cloak also. And when he, when he does that, you look at that and he goes, well, we were showing people how to be a good loser. We lost our coats, so we'll give them our cloak as well. Show people how to go that extra mile. Show them, share what you have, even if it doesn't come back to you. Because everybody can loan something expecting it to give back. The world does that. If I borrow it, I have to give it back. But if it doesn't come back to you, show people the difference. Show them the proof that good guys finish best. Good guys finish best. We are living examples of change and how we cause others to marvel that we could be so different. If you look at the reference in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, as Peter and John stood before the Sanhedrin, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So we lift up the expectations and the priorities of those around us because we show others that we have been with Jesus. Everything else is just normal. How do we go above and beyond that? How do we take that? How are we any different than anybody else? And it's how we do things and why we do things. Now, we've talked about being the difference and making the difference. Now we need to take that bread that we opened up off of the counter. We opened it up, and we know that it's good, and we've had it out. Now we're going to insert that difference. We're not just going to make the sandwich. You know, here's the thing. You go home this evening, you go make yourself a sandwich. You take the bread off the counter. You open it up. You put the bread on the plate. You make yourself a sandwich. Here's what I want you to do. What I want us to do in this sermon is I want us to take the bread off the counter, open the package, put out the sandwich stuff, make the sandwich and hand it to somebody else. Make the sandwich for somebody else, not just yourself. In fact, make the whole loaf into sandwiches and go give it to somebody who's hungry. Sure. At this point, you'd expect me to say, well, you're wanting us to be the light of the world. Yes. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Jesus, in the, right at the beginning of, of that Sermon on the Mount, will say these words. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Two things he says there immediately. Jesus tells us or reminds us, A, you cannot hide if you wear the name Christian. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you cannot hide. You are a city on a hill and you cannot crawl under a basket. You can't just hope nobody notices that you attend the worship of the God of heaven. And B, you are created to change the world around you. He set you on a table for a purpose. We aren't here because this is a spa. We are here because this is a hospital for sinners. I'll offer you some quick lessons from a lamp, if I will, as I close today. If I were to set a lamp here on top of the podium, think of it whatever way you want to, whatever kind of lamp you have. But what's inside of you back in that day began because you started by being melted and molded and made for a purpose. You are the clay in the potter's hands. Lamentations 4 and verse 2 says, The precious sons of Zion, worth their weight in fine gold, how they are regarded as earthen pots, the work of a potter's hands. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says that we have these, earthly, these heavenly treasures in these this earthen jars of our lives. What's inside of you started when God filled us with his gifts. Secondly, you don't fulfill your purpose until the owner applies his fire to you. You can be a candle. You can be on a table. But until somebody lights your fire, you're really, you know, just kind of decoration. But when the master or the owner lights your fire, then you're fulfilling what you were put there to do. And that's give light. Jeremiah 5 and verse 14 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, Because you have spoken this word, behold, I am making my words in your mouth a fire. The word of God that we have is the fire that we take to the world. We lift it up. We lift up the kingdom of God. We are who we are. Worship as we do. Walk as we walk. And we encourage each other because we're telling the people, you live in the darkness of your sin. Here is the light of God and his righteousness. You need to come to God. You need to obey the gospel. The next lesson is sometimes the owner trims your wick for less smoke and more light. Sometimes we, uh, sometimes we're about to smoke. We uh, we think we're doing okay, but we need to be trimmed up. Psalm eighteen verse twenty eight says, "For it is you who light my lamp; the Lord my God lightens my darkness." We need to ask our God to trim us, prune us, make us useful. For his purpose. Let me give you four don'ts. As a lamp. Four don'ts. Of a practical nature. First of all. It's like when we sing with the children. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Shine it all over the neighborhood. Don't hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. But the first one is. The first don't is. Don't let the devil. Blow out your light. Don't let the devil blow out your light. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 9 and 10. says, The activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Don't let the devil blow out your light. You belong to God. Don't let him do that. Second of all, don't let others blow out your light. 
You've heard that old phrase. It says sometimes it's easier to blow out somebody else's light than, and so that yours shines brighter. You've heard that one? You know? Then if you've heard that, don't let somebody else blow out your light. It's not their light to blow. It's your light. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7 says, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Don't let somebody else dictate your faith. Don't let their questions, don't let their, their comments, don't let their... No, don't let their, um, their, their presence in your life cause you not to be faithful. Don't let others blow out your light. Third thing is don't blow out your own light. Now, how's that? Now, don't blow out your own light. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. If God lights you by his word and what he fills you with in his spirit and he trims the wick and he sets you on the table to be the light, you don't get to walk away from that. You don't get to set that aside and say, that's not important today or I'm not going to do that this week or I don't want to be involved with that. You can't say that. You do that to your own peril. First, uh, Hebrews chapter 6 says, when we do that, we fall from grace. Because we are taking back that which God had given to us, or we're giving God back that which he gave us. The whole thing is, is that we're just disowning God. You don't want to be in that place. Lastly, don't believe that burning both ends is necessarily bad. I've been told that all my life. Scott, don't burn the candle at both ends. Don't burn the candle at both ends. Don't burn the candle at both ends. And I'm here to tell you. I still burn the candle at both ends. And you know what? I've come to believe that burning the candle at both ends is not necessarily bad. I look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 15. He said, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your soul. See, everybody else checks off the, checks off the boxes. Oh, I, I went to worship. I read my Bible. I prayed. How are you any different than anybody else? They go to a house of worship. They, go, they open a Bible. They, they pray. Right? How are you any different than that? Sometimes it takes going above and beyond. Giving a little more of your time. Maybe a little more time in prayer. Maybe it's caring enough to do a little extra for somebody. I don't know. I just know that whatever the need is. Sleep is highly overrated. Sometimes. And sitting down is okay. But you got to get back up. I would gladly spend and be spent. For your souls. And that's what we're looking for. That's I think what God is looking for. When he lights the candle that is your life. You are different church. From anyone else on this earth. You are godly. Righteous and holy. Because you are in Jesus. You must not sink. To the minimum. Of social morality. Nor become numb. With self righteous activity. No, you cause the world to rise up 
by your presence. By your example. And how you insist that the darkness could never overcome the light of Jesus Christ our Savior. Remember this. Being different from anyone else by being a Christian. Stamps you as the one thing that this world needs. Hope. My charge to you today. Shine on. Shine on. If you need to respond to God's invitation today. Perhaps you're here and you need to be baptized. Maybe you're here today and you need to repent of sin and ask for prayer. If we can help you in some way. If you'll come to the front and make your need known as together we stand and as we sing.